This is Hannah. And I'm Amy. And, and this, this is Deck the, the Halls Mark. A podcast where two sparkling graduate students in the city unwind and embrace the magic of every season by reviewing Hallmark and other made-for-TV movies while also creating their own ridiculous titles and plots. Maybe if this takes off, we'll move to a quaint and idyllic small town where every day is fully decorated and reality-free. Welcome back! Hi! It's Deck the Halls, Mark. It is. We're here post-Thanksgiving, although we just ate basically a Thanksgiving meal yeah. before we recorded this. We had a full feast, so... I did call it a feast. It was a feast, which, which is, I think is appropriate. It is apt for today's movie. Yes, today we will be talking about The Night Before Christmas, with a K, with from, a K. Ne- from Netflix. Yes. We could not be more excited. But before we get to that... We uh, have to address last episode's business. So we had a listener response from Abby uh, uh, regarding our game. We did. And Abby uh, guessed from five titles, uh, which were Christmas at the Castle, A Royal Winter, A Royal Christmas, Royal Matchmaker, and Royally Ever After. Yes, and she guessed that uh, our fake movies were... A Royal Winter and Royally Ever After. Uh, unfortunately for listener Abby, uh, but fortunately for us, because obviously we're fooling everyone. Two times in a row two we have fooled them. Two times in a row them. we have fooled our listening audience. The fake movie was Christmas at the Castle. So you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> Let's, better luck this time. We're, gonna, <laughs> we're going to play another round. Yeah, the... Do you hear what I hear? Yeah, the do you yeah. hear what I hear is is probably our master work it's, of this whole podcast. Yeah. Well, I'm particularly fond of it's beginning to look a lot like a made-for-TV movie. I like all of it. It's all good. It's all interesting. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, so after last week's uh, jaunt into us just looking at what's available on streaming services, we're back to doing our review. Yes. And we've got lined up, of course, The Night Before Christmas. Yeah, we can't say that enough. Which I've been now calling The Nightmare Before Christmas yeah. with a K. That's a preview of where this is going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, after that, we will play our game again. So it's another opportunity for you guys to not be fooled by us. But we have a real, we're on a roll here. So yeah. we'll see if we can keep it going. And of course, last but not least... We will play Do You Hear What I Hear, and uh, I will be provided a fake title. I, Amy, yes, will get I'm, a fake title It's my Hannah. turn yes. to make up a fake title, and I'm, I'm trying to get some inspiration. We're, this time, we have no preconceived ideas. Yeah. We're not... This is freestyle. This is going to be fully what we set out to do. Total mystery. So, <laughs> this could be a complete disaster. Oh, I think I just got one right now. All right. Buckle up, folks. Here we go. All right. about finding true love with a knight in shining armor and living happily ever after. But that's all it is. Fantasy. Are you okay? Fear not. I've been thrown much further by much faster horses than your steel steed. 
not a scratch on him, but apparently he believes that he's a 14th century knight. So call Christopher Frederick Lyons of Norwich at your service. Oh, boy. This is all my fault. Where are they playing that lyrical medley? On the radio. Huh. I'm going to help him until his memory comes back. What if he's dangerous? Trust me, he's harmless. First thing I think we should do is update your wardrobe by at least a few centuries. Greetings. Greetings. I'll let you get dressed. You know time travel isn't a real thing, right? I have traveled here, and it matters not if I understand how. The night is sworn to valor and virtue. We'll give aid to those who seek it. I must return home. Do you really think going along with this little delusion is helping the situation? Who are we to tell him he's not who he says he is? Are you sure you're not a witch? What if Cole really is who he says he is? What if there are things beyond our comprehension? Then I would say you both need to get your heads examined. You don't have to go. I have no choice. Wherever you are, it's the only place I want to be. But no one can control their own destiny. Nice catch. Steady now, my lady. Okay, so what you just heard uh, was the trailer for The Night Before Christmas, which is what we'll be discussing here today. First off, Amy, I'm pretty sure the trailer is not an accurate representation of the movie. Some things that appear in the trailer are different versions of scenes than are in the in the film. Is that the yeah? Yeah, and also it just looks better. It looks be- it looks better in, in the general. Tra- like yeah. I was like, oh, I want to watch that movie, but then yeah. when we watched it, I don't want to watch that. Yeah, one. about forty minutes in, I was pretty <laughs> confident that I no longer wanted to watch this movie. Yeah, she but, says, uh, how much longer is this? Yeah. It was like another forty minutes. Yeah, it, see, it's not that I don't love it. It's just I'm used to sort of a viewing experience that includes commercials and me not paying complete attention. Yeah. And this was this was a scenario in which I was going to watch the entire thing without commercials and just sit and watch it. Yeah. And it the, was a different viewing experience. That was a difficult experience. Um, so I think we, we need to dive into this. And so part of what we're going to be doing throughout um, our commentary on The Night Before Christmas is uh, two counts. We're going to keep count of two things that occur... With alarming frequency in the Alarming, movie. very. Uh-huh. Alarming. And the first is that Vanessa Hudgens has a lot of cool coats. They're like hundred plus dollar coats. She has very fancy Probably coats. Probably like $300. Yeah, for the most part, not particularly warm coats. I mean, like no, fine. No, they look good though. They're very fashionable coats. They're usually unbuttoned. Oh, that's a fun. There's oh, a, that's a good interlude. <laughs> there's a car alarm. This is the graduate students in the city portion of the, <laughs> of the podcast. Well, like, get some, um, like, birds to chirp. Oh, yes. it's winter, though, so. Yes, this is. Oh, this is really adding. Ambiance. I think Sir Cole, the uh, 14th century knight who is the protagonist of this film, would be very alarmed by this move, by this sound. Perhaps. Or he wouldn't, though. He's sometimes not uh, sufficiently alarmed by 21st century technology, but we're right. getting ahead of ourselves. 
What's the other count we're doing? So though? the other count we're doing is my personal favorite, the crone count. Crone count. Crone count. So we'll explain in our pretty early in the synopsis who the crone is, but <laughs> the word crone gets used more than any other work of fiction probably ever in existence of any kind. Nonfiction, fiction, film, literature, music. This is the most the word crone has ever been used. Yes. And we're gonna. We're not really going to unpack that because it's just... It also did not exist in the year in which this man is from. Yes. Hannah did some excellent research into the etymology of the word crone. Yes, which I need to revisit before I... (laughs) Which we we don't fully remember, but we do know that it is historically inaccurate, which really lines up with a lot. There's a lot of other inaccuracies. So we're going to keep track of uh, the crone count, and we did not keep track when we originally watched it, and I mean, we can't give full attention to this movie a second time. I think we both draw the line there. We watched uh, 45 minutes and 43 seconds again while we were eating our feast. Yeah. But we still have 46 minutes and 54 seconds to go. So, so we're maybe going to put it on in mute in the background just to sort of try to keep up with our crone count. But 45 minutes in, halfway through this movie, we already have nine crones. Is that accurate? Yes, nine, yeah, nine and three coats. Three coats. This is actually the fourth coat. She's currently wearing the fourth coat. I don't think No, that was the third. I just oh, marked it. Oh, you counted that? Okay. I was excited that we had already gotten to four coats at halfway no, through. We were only three. at three. Only at three coats. But... <laughs> Nine crones and three coats. Three coats is still still and a partridge in <laughs> a pear tree. Excellent. You're welcome. I'm so, a good singer. Beautiful. Okay. What's the synopsis, Amy? Where's where does this film begin? This begins in Norwich. Norwich, England, in the year thirteen thirty four. Uh huh. And it's at a castle, deep in the forest. It's deep in the forest. It's December. In the snow. Uh huh. Uh, and we uh, we see Sir Cole, Christopher, Frederick Lyons, uh huh, and his brother Jeffrey, Jeffrey with a G. Yes, gotta spell it in the most medieval way possible, as revealed in the captions. Yes, and they are preparing for the annual Christmas. It's hawking. Hawk, hawking competition. Hawking. They are going to track down a hawk on yes. their horses in the woods. They are. And so they, they decide to divide and conquer this task. Mm-hmm. One goes east, one goes west into the woods to find the hawk. Uh-huh. And who does Sir Cole run into? Circle. Like, it's Sir Cole. Circle. But it's Circle. And also, I don't think that Cole is a 14th century name. But Yeah, I don't think so As either. a first name, I don't think so. But Frederick? Yeah. Yeah. Christopher? Yeah. Yeah. But Jeffrey? Maybe. But not convinced by Cole. But that's a different problem. So, <laughs> Sir Cole... Runs into this woman who has really very nice wavy hair. She like, looks physically clean. She looks physically clean, and her hair looks like it was done using a very much like twentieth, twenty first century sort of ironing situation. But that's a different again. She doesn't those, look like the luscious waves. like a medieval woman. No, but she's a sort of older looking woman with long gray hair, wearing a cloak, sort of hunched over behind a tree. So we're getting we're getting the motif of old crone of old crone. <laughs> which is then emphasized by the excessive use of the term old crone, or sometimes just crone. It, yeah, it alternates, I think. It, it does alternate. Um, Fluctuates. But she pops out of the woods. Yes, and, uh, she, and he's like, oh, how can I help you? Yeah, I mean, he's concerned that this old woman's just alone in the woods, in the snow, in December, 
in the 14th century. And he's a good guy. And he's a good guy. So he's nice to her. It's not like the fairy tale thing where he's scared of the creepy old woman in the woods. Even though, I mean, she has really good hair and is very clean. So I think that that might be part of why she's not as scary. She generally seems pretty happy. She seems like a pretty nice lady. And so he wants to get her inside. And she says, no, no, no. Uh, Just so you know, your quest is about to begin. Well, first of all... You have a brother who's being knighted. On Christmas Day. On Christmas Day. Yes. Um, so this is like December... 18th, 18th, 18th. Oh, you got it. I knew it was in the teens somewhere. Okay, so it's December 18th, and you have a brother who's being knighted, Jeffrey, on Christmas. And that's a big deal. But did you know that you're about to be led on your quest? And so that's a big deal, because a knight has to complete his quest with honor. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're before you become a knight. Because before you fully become a knight. Yeah. You have to yes. complete the quest. It's like yes, yes. That's like the precursor. But he had already Sir Cole, and now I'm becoming confused. Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier. So he's, I think he's a Sir. He, but he's not actually. But, but he's not the, Sir Cole the knight. He's just but, Sir. I don't know. But we, in order to be Sir, you, you already you have, to, have be to be a knight. Well, that's confusing. <laughs> so we're a little concerned. <laughs> a little confused. <laughs> About the logistics of knighthood in this movie, but needless <laughs> to say, the quest is important. He may or may not be a knight yet. He's so, he's like a half knight, mostly a knight, not fully certified. He didn't do his preliminary exams yet. <laughs> Excellent. He's in, a, he's in a weird phase in his knighthood process. Um, it's not quite there. Feels like he's there. Anyway, same, quest. Same. <laughs> All but knight instead of ABD. Yeah. ABK. ABK. All but knight. <laughs> All but knighted, but he may be knighted because he's sir. That would be like us saying, you know, doctor, even though we don't have. Yeah, no one would let you do that. So why are they? Why call- is he called sir? Somebody will investigate this. Who's not us? Or yeah. Probably no one will investigate this. It doesn't ultimately matter a whole lot. Either way, he seems to have gotten his title prematurely. So <laughs> yeah. So he has to now complete his quest, and he's very excited. But he doesn't know what it is. No. And she's like, "You're. It'll take you." Far and wide. But really, before we get into this, there's the cut scene because we see Norwich and they're about to go hawking. And then we cut to present day Ohio. Before Bay, we. A brain bridge? No. Bracebridge. Bracebridge. Bracebridge, Ohio. And we are taken to the single fanciest high school. Middle school? It's, it's, I, in the um, description, when we got back into Netflix, it said a high school teacher. So Oh, that girl did not look like a high schooler. Yeah, we have a young-looking girl. who's She's like 14, right? She's, she's a freshman. She's a freshman in high school. Anyway, we're uh, so we're in a fancy high school, excessively fancy high school, which is appropriate because it's where Vanessa Hudgens in her very fashionable pants. And coats. And coats and sweaters is teaching. Yeah. So she's teaching at this fancy school. She's a science teacher. She has a very nice fancy lab room and she's talking to a student who's crying. she's crying. She got a bad grade. She's always been an A student. And so this is upsetting. And the reason for this, Hannah, is why why is her the boyfriend a student broke crying? up with her. Yeah. So Vanessa Hudgens, of course, comforts the student and says, you know, this will pass. We've all been burned before. You're a good student. Don't let this ruin your life. They hug it out. The girl yeah. has a really cute sweater. She does. Everyone has really cute clothes. Yes. Um, and Vanessa Hudgens says that we all dream of becoming princesses and finding a knight in shining armor, which is a very specific, narrow sort of dream of what future romance will bring for all of us. But I think it's some foreshadowing, maybe. Nah. I don't know. Yeah. No. But it turns Definitely out that the not. girl's boyfriend was a frog. He was not a 
knight in shining armor, which is really that's crossing a few different because it's not it's not a he's not a knight in like the princess and the but frog. also we're calling people sir when they're not knights yeah so, so it's all the fairy tale medieval metaphor label situation is all very mixed and confused but yes the stage has been set yeah the stage has been set so then we're back with sir cole and the old crone. And the old crone in the forest of Norwich. And she's saying, your quest will take you far away to places you've never imagined. And with see flying... Flying steel steeds. Steel steeds and... And... Flying steel so st- something. She basically like, is like, you're going to see airplanes, You're going to see freaking airplanes and a magic box that makes merry, which is what we call televisions. Um, it does... It, it works. Magic it, and Mary. Sure. Um, so, you know, she's like, your quest will take you to faraway lands, meaning Ohio. <laughs> and yeah. that'll, that'll be freaking awesome for you. And somehow you're going to be able to handle all this. And so she hands him a mysterious glowing blue medallion that we will receive no further information. It's just shiny and blue and yeah. kind of has like this ethereal, like, wispy quality and so she disappears and then all of a sudden he disappears and he ends up at a christmas carnival in 2019 in Bracebridge, ohio mm-hmm. and there's there's santa's castle it's like a vaguely medieval um christmas fair yeah the first thing he sees is the horses on the carousel yeah so his horse he has a horse sherwin with a y with a y which is how you know that it's more medieval than a hearse name horse or hearse a horse named sherwin with an i um, it's Sherwin with a Y, but Sherwin doesn't get to come with him when the magic, mysterious blue mm-hmm. medallion sends him to Bracebridge, Ohio. So he's excited by the horses on the carousel, but, like, also, Confused. these are not, like, horses he's ever seen before. Also, the loudspeaker on the carousel and the sort of rock and roll version of whatever Christmas song is being played are all very alarming. But there is a castle, but it doesn't really yeah, look right. Yeah, he's got a general wide-eyed, shocked... Yeah. Kind of attitude. But yet, he doesn't seem that concerned. Yeah, electricity, uh, cars, the clothing, mechanical things like the carousel. None of this is really that alarming. He seems to be taking it pretty well in stride. A plane goes overhead. A plane, yeah. He's like, steel, flying steel thing. Steed, I I think. Is it a flying steel steed? Yeah. Okay, cars are just steel steeds. Yeah, yeah. That's a flying steel steed. Yes, and then he... uh, he, of course, meets Vanessa Hudgens as he's looking around, trying to figure out where he is. Uh, they bump into each other, and she spills her hot chocolate on him. She's there with her niece, mm-hmm. and he is excited, and he calls it a delicious mead. Yes. Which also becomes a very large... That's like a motif, yeah. He yeah. gets really into hot chocolate and just can only call it mead because he's incapable of understanding other beverages. Yeah. Which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. They definitely had beer. Which is, like, mead. Yeah? I think mead is, a, is different than beer. Okay. We'll look that up. We have a strong understanding of what mead is. I think it's a catch-all I, word for the I mean, did they drink milk? Probably. Like, cause I feel like hot cocoa is perhaps related to milk. Yeah, but he wouldn't have had chocolate. He would not have had chocolate. This is true. So, <laughs> we, are maybe, we might be thinking about this. Too historically. But anyway, he gets very excited about hot chocolate, which becomes a motif. Yes. Um, But before all of this is over, uh, Vanessa Hudgens, who's named Brooke. Brooke Winters. Brooke Winters. There it is. 
Her sister's name is Maddie. I don't remember the niece's name. Claire. Claire. Excellent memory. Hannah. Um, I <laughs> literally just watched this, uh, and yet I don't remember or care. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Vanessa Hudgens, Brooke Winters, is leaving the Christmas festival. Yes. And it's, it's really a, snowy. It's snowy, and Sir Cole is walking around. He's a bit confused. Um, he realizes that it's starting to snow and it's dark and like the town kind of activities are wrapping up. Yeah. So he's got to figure out what he's doing. And, uh, naturally Vanessa Hutchins just like full on hits him with her car. Yeah. It's a Subaru. Yeah. So it's a brown outback. It's very obvious. She really, she really gets him, but he's wearing armor. So thank God for that. Thank God for that. But the police immediately show up. Yeah, she, and she goes, oh, great, you're here. I was just about to call 911. So we're assuming yeah. somebody else watched her hit this medieval night yeah. in the street, although there are no other cars around. Yeah, and to be clear, everyone thought that the medieval night was at the Christmas festival because he was like a reenactor. Of this castle. Yeah, for the for the Christmas castle. And so they all like took selfies and stuff with him. So, so far, no one's been disturbed by the fact that there's just no. a medieval night wandering around. They're not surprised. Yeah, but now she's hitting with her car, and it's revealed that he seems to be really confused by a lot of things which again he just got hit by a car so there's some thought between Vanessa Hudgens and uh, Officer Stevens who is the man who is very good at his job and just immediate arrival um Officer Stevens and Brooke Winters are concerned that he may have some kind of head trauma because he seems confused about what a car is Yes, uh-huh. the noble steed, steel the steed. The noble steel steed. Yes, uh-huh. yes. So they uh, they take him to the hospital, and they, you know, check him out. They say, you know, actually he's fine, but maybe he might have a little bit of amnesia from something else. But, you know, don't worry about it. And the officer says, I'm going to take him to the station, and hopefully he'll get his memory back. And Brooke, of course, is like, yeah. oh, no, it was my fault I hit him. I'll take him home with me. Yeah, she's already been charmed because... Sir Cole gets wheeled out um, by the nurse. Yes, in the wheelchair. In the wheelchair. And he insists on being called Sir Cole. And, you know, he seems generally sort of off um, (laughs) mentally, whether it's because he's really convinced he's a 14th century knight or because of some sort of head trauma. But she's very charmed because he calls her Lady Brooke. Yes, and he does bend down and kiss her hand. He kisses her hand. And she is not at all alarmed by this strange man with head trauma Leading nope. to weird mental things, kissing nope. her hand in this hospital. It's fine. She's so into it. It's dreamy. Well, she wanted a knight. She wanted a knight in shining armor. So I think this and is it, a really good lesson about what ha- what sort of delusional things you will submit to if you are convinced that the main dream is a knight in shining armor to come rescue you. His armor is very shiny. It's super shiny. Uh, unrealistically shiny. Maybe made of plastic. Well, Question mark. <laughs> tinfoil, no. Not tinfoil, but like... Some sort of lightweight metal. Definitely the chain mail around his head, because that stuff is actually heavy as heck. Yeah, no, this is, yeah. That's I mean, definitely plastic needless, or aluminum. Needless to say, the armor is not incredibly, like, Right, but Officer heavy. Stevens said, thank God for the armor. Yes. It, Officer Stevens has some excellent line delivery in the hospital scene, where he says that he's fine because he's wearing all that armor. So... <laughs> So, and again, Brooke's still not disturbed, and like Hannah was saying, feels guilty. Takes her, takes him home. Yep. Brings him to her manor. Yes. As she, she calls it. He, does he, he calls it. No, she calls it the she manor. She calls it the manor? 
She calls it a manor. Wow. I don't know if she's trying to appeal to his his sensibilities yes. of his language yes. or if literally they call it the manor. But she takes him to her guest house because she's a high school teacher with a beautiful manor and a guest house. Mm-hmm. It was apparently their her she and her sister, their parents died and this yeah. was like the family home. But the sister's, I guess, making money because she didn't. Her husband's a lawyer. Her husband's a lawyer. So they also have a big house. So everyone has a big house. And good coats. And good coats. <laughs> um, but yeah, she takes this big house. They've already had the car experience during which he did not understand the radio or the sunroof and got, like, snow in the car. Yes, and he was very excited by the touchscreen in the Subaru. Yeah. And it was changing all the channels. So they get there. She shows him how to use Alexa. Oh, no. I woke up mine. Oh, God. Ignore me. <laughs> Bye. Anyway, okay, great. He tells he, she shows him how to use it. He's fascinated. Uh, there's a whole bit where he discovers the magic merriment of the TV, and of course, it's only playing Netflix Christmas movies, yeah, like the Holiday in the Wild, which I love. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, yeah. And um, he also learns about the freezer. He does. The night air is yes. in the freezer. He yeah. He, he brings the night air inside. Does yeah, which is cool. She gives him some clothing from her ex boyfriend, which involves a Santa, a large Santa hoodie, yeah, where it's Santa's body bursting out of a sweater uh-huh. on the front of the hoodie. So he looks really great, he looks super awesome, and he just wears his like medieval armor jacket leather sort of thing over this, yes, he does, which is a really solid look, but of course. <laughs> Um, yeah, so there's the ex-boyfriend side plot, uh, Vanessa Hudgens, a.k.a. Brooke Winters, uh, yes. who should really be a weather person and not, <laughs> and not a um, high school teacher um, with a name like that. Uh, she and her coats. I mean, she would look very good standing she outside talking great. about the weather. She's um, in that town. Yeah. Um, but she has recently had sort of a negative experience She's breaking up. on. Yeah. By the douche. Is what she calls him. Yes, and that becomes another motif of the movie in which Sir Cole continually says, would you like me to kill the douche? Or is that the douche? Or um, tell me more about your dalliance with the douche. Yes. Which dalliance with the douche <laughs> has, has a lot of potential God. <laughs> as a title for something. No, it doesn't. I will not be exploring further. <laughs> <laughs> But that is a phrase in the movie. And they say this is a child, children and family movie. Children and family movie. Both crone and douche are said far too much for that to be accurate. Especially douche. Like, Especially douche, yeah. That's I like, mean, yeah. It's a different level of information for small children. It is. And they say it so much. I'm sure they'll go, Mom, what is that? Yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, this, that's a multi-layered problem to have to answer. Good luck, parents out there. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, but so before he can put on the douche's garments, uh, he must of course like shower. He somehow manages to shower and that's just like fine. Yeah. No one teaches him. No one at all instructs him on running water, plumbing. (laughs) And he's just like fine with that. He's like bathrooms. I got that. (laughs) Which just toilets. Great. Toilets. Totally understand this magical flushing device. Adjusting the heat of the shower. Great. Got it. Nailed it. He takes a fast, efficient, tiny shower somehow and emerges wearing just a towel because he's figured out that that's the custom among the attractive men in movies. He's figured that out. Yeah, and he knows to wrap it around his waist and tuck it in. He's nailed that. Um, And so he comes out to receive the douche's garments from Brooke Winters. And uh, she is, again, charmed by his 
abdominal muscles. She is very charmed. She is, gets flustered. Yeah. She's pretty excited. Again, not at all alarmed. Mostly nope. just like, besides the obvious derangement, this nope. man's hot. Yes. I'm into it. And to like, you know, this is, this is a good setup. <laughs> so further on, basically what happens, just because, you know. We've been we've been really detailed in our early summary mm-hmm. of this and not too excited. We also just excited. rewatched it. Yeah. We just rewatched it, so it's fresh. But in essence, the next day, you know, she comes and checks on him. He's like, "Oh, I've been watching TV all night because yes. it's great." Magic box. He understands American slang now, so he does this horrible like American. He he normally has a British accent, obviously. Obviously, he does a horrible American accent where he says things like. On fire? What does he say? Straight fire. Straight fire. And how can you call somebody Bay? Yeah, he's very confused about all the labels we have for friends. Anyway, he's figured yeah. out slang thanks to Netflix. Yes. And so what ensues is basically Brooke and Sir Cole getting to know each other, doing all sorts of winter activities like putting up the tree. Yes. Playing in the snow. Mm-hmm. Making bread. Yes, they make, there's a very sexy ghost, like the movie ghost scene of bread making, which is... <laughs> yeah, I hate that scene. <laughs> it's very, very touching. And there's, um, uh, there's a few side plots in the movie we should highlight. Oh, One God. is her neighbor, her red-haired neighbor, who is constantly hitting on Sir Cole, uh-huh. but nothing ever really comes Allison. to fruen- fruition. Uh, yep. And then there's the side... Um, other side thing, which is that guy, the dad. David, yeah, he's David. like the dad. I, yeah, he's the dad. It's just a family in town that isn't doing well. His uh-huh. wife passed away. He's got two young kids. He's working at the diner. And that's another side piece of this in which they raise money for him in mm-hmm. the end because there's a charity feast in which the town participates. Yeah. Which is also great that it's a feast because medieval. Yes. Kind so of. it all just, it all fits together. But yes. Um, and yeah, the sister briefly... Brooke's sister briefly shows some concern that she's invited a strange, delusional man with a sword into her home. But then she meets Cole and figures out that he's hot and she's no longer worried about it. What does she say? She calls him a steel-cut hottie. Yeah, so that's great. Yes. So, yeah, it's basically Brooke and Sir Cole getting to know each other, realizing they have a lot in common, realizing that, you know... Maybe he really, you know, Brooke kind of comes to terms with the fact that maybe he really is a knight. No one else is really on board with this, but she's into it. Pretty early on, she's like, but maybe he really is. Yeah, she's convinced. It's all very sweet. Yes. I think my favorite scene is the one in which she gives him her, she gives him her car keys. Yeah, she's like, do you remember how to drive? And like, clearly he does not have any idea how to drive. There's so many opportunities to stop him from driving. And she lets him drive. She lets him drive. And he crashes the car. And he crashes the car. He just drives it up a bank. He does. Yeah. So. In search of the old crone at the Christmas festival. Yes, that's another repeated motif. He thinks he's seeing the old crone around town. So he's constantly yelling old crone yeah. at the woman that's playing Mrs. Claus in the kind of Christmas setup yeah. Yeah. at the castle in the, in the town square. And so he's continually yelling old crone whenever he sees her because they're always hanging out in this town square area. And what happens, Amy, that you love? Uh, Santa, husband of Mrs. Claus. The in real life. Mrs. Claus, yeah. It's real life husband of the woman playing Mrs. Ha- Mrs. Claus. Stops him and says, hey, can you maybe not call my wife an old crone? <laughs> Which is really excellent advice that Cole does not take to heart. No, he so. does not. No. Yeah. And we have, yeah, this charity side plot doesn't really make a lot of sense. It doesn't go a lot of places other than Christmas charity. Um, 
yeah, the ex-boyfriend side plot, again, doesn't really go very many places. The neighbor does not really go anywhere. There is, however, an excellent scene in the grocery store where Cole just buys everything like a small child who's unstoppable and makes ridiculous faces. Like hot chocolate. He just yeah. wants hot chocolate. He, just... and he starts sampling bread rolls. Yeah, he just spits out some bread rolls in public, which is cool. Um, yeah, so that's all great. Um, and I think the, the main takeaway is the song. Oh, I forgot about the song! Annie, you want to talk about the song? I think we should play them the song, or a piece of the song. We'll play a piece of the song. Um, Let me get that for you guys, because... So the actor that plays Sir Cole is a musician for, like, a reggae... Is it reggae? Folk band? It's too many things. And so there's a song in which that uh, plays in the movie in the kind of very romantic part, but it's a... It's quite the song. One second. Well, let me get it. Let me get it's it. Really- Who is this lady I happen to meet? An elegant woman right at my feet. Who is this stranger? Where did she come from? I feel like I like her. Could she be the one for me? Lonely as I can be so A partner in need of a home Who can from apart? I don't know who you are You never know. Okay, so that happened. <laughs> yeah, so that's Josh Whitehouse performing Before Christmas, the song yeah. that he has written and performed for The Night Before Christmas. It's not a good song. It's really bad. We only gave you a minute of it. We could have given you more, but there's, it seems cruel. It's on Spotify. It is. The whole album yeah. for the movie is. So if you liked what you heard... Maybe you, know, you liked it. More power to you. If you did, please tell me why. Yeah. We... <laughs> We need answers. Um, okay, so, yeah, the song's ridiculous. Um, but there's there's one more dramatic, I think... Event that, like, kind of makes yeah. her see he's a knight in shining, shining armor. Right. And what? it's that uh, her niece, Claire, and her friend, who's the daughter of the man that works at the diner, who's mm-hmm. hard, has having a hard time on yeah. with his financial yeah. kind of stability, mm-hmm. they can't find them. Nope. They're missing, it's snowing, and so Brooke and Sir Cole go out looking, and they find the two little girls, they're probably like 10, 11, yeah. and they're, they're uh, out by a pond that's frozen. Yeah, and I would and, like to say that, say that at this point, yeah. I think that Vanessa Hudgens is in fact wearing her fourth coat of the movie. Yeah, we just, yeah, I think probably, I think we're on coat four. I think we're on coat four at this point. We've I'll now a, got a, a sort of blue velvet number. I'll add it to the tally. Excellent. Um, but more importantly, we're saving than fashion, um, is that she's, and Sir Cole, save her niece. Really Sir Cole. Yeah, he like helps mm-hmm. her, like coaxes her off the ice. She doesn't fall through or anything. No, there's nothing overly dramatic or traumatic. That and could have been bad. they fill in Vanessa Hudgens and Sir Cole, fill in Officer Stevens on his heroism here, Sir Cole's heroism. And Sir Cole also later stops a pickpocket. He just, like... At the Christmas fair. Because they the continually go to this Christmas fair castle town square mm-hmm. zone. 
it's like a kid to, it's like the only thing to do in Bracebridge, Ohio, apparently. Yeah. At this time of year. And of course, Cole's interested because he's looking for the old crone. Um, but yeah, so he saves the girl, the niece on the ice, and stops a pickpocket. So Officer Stevens is like, maybe you want to be a police officer. And he's like, maybe I do. But he also, during the whole weird baking scene, makes a ridiculous amount of bread. So his like 21st century career choices are bread baker or police officer. They made a freakish amount of bread. It was slightly terrifying. <laughs> it's like a really alarming, really alarming amount of bread. It uh, is. Um, and so having sort of somewhat mastered 21st century society and assisted with the Christmas feast and made some sort of weird Christmas gift for Vanessa Hudgens that's some kind of ornament. It's an orange. It's an orange. It's a dried orange that he has inscribed. Great. And I would like to point out that oranges uh, were not imported <laughs> in Europe in this time, particularly in England. Yeah. So Another exciting historical inaccuracy. Another exciting historical inaccuracy. They, so they go to the feast. Uh-huh. So it's charity feast. The family that was down on time, hard times gets a bunch of gifts for their kids. He gets a bunch of gifts for the kids. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. It's very touching. And then we get to this point, you know, where Sir Cole is, is dressed up in his kind of night outfit. And people are, you know, kind of having to come to terms with the fact that he's still there. Yeah. And he still thinks he's a knight. Yeah. They're, they're kind of into it. It's sort of like a, like a gimmick. Like, instead of Santa, we have a knight. But, you know, Vanessa Hudgens is now convinced that he is, in fact, a knight. And redheaded neighbor competition just sort of backs off because she sees the love connection. She does. And so, of course... Vanessa Hudgens and uh, Sir Cole, because I, I keep calling her Vanessa Hudgens, they kiss yes. at this feast. Yes, they have, they do that. And a woman in 21st century clothes who looks mysteriously like the old crone watches them from the shadowy corner. Of the empty room. Of the empty room while they make out. At which point the medallion begins glowing. It does, it's blue. The mysterious blue medallion begins glowing. He says old crone again. Oh, yeah. Okay, we're, now we're on 10, and I probably at, missed some. Yeah, we're at at least 10 old crones. I think it's safe to assume that there are at least 15 in this movie. There are at least 15 old crones in yeah, this movie. I, yeah, I think that's a reasonable I think that's a, a safe count. assumption. Um, so the thing starts to go blue, and that means that he has to go back to the 14th century. And Vanessa Hudgens, who is wearing her fifth coat... Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that a cue? ...cannot go with him. That is, that is a cue. This woman has a ridiculous number of coats. Um... She she cannot go with him. He's fulfilled his quest, which is apparently to Red. make out with Vanessa Hudgens. Yeah. That's how he becomes a true knight. That's how he becomes a true knight. Uh-huh. So, you know, she realizes that she's got to let him go. Mm-hmm. He disappears into the dark of the night. Mm-hmm. And she's sad because she realizes she's in love with this man. And yep. he's gone. And so, meanwhile, you know... Christmas she's, happens. She's sad, but it's Christmas time. He's sad because he's missing her, but he's also back with his brother, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. In the 14th century, who's now a knight. So he's there on Christmas to see his brother made a knight, but he's like, also, I fell in love with this girl in 21st century Ohio. And back in 21st century Ohio on Christmas morning, what's happening in Ohio, Hannah? Uh, so Brooke goes over to her sister's house, mm-hmm. her brother-in-law, yeah. and Claire mm-hmm. opens up a gift and it's a puppy. Yeah, the puppy she asked Santa for at the beginning of the movie has magically appeared. 
So there's literally just a magic puppy that we get no explanation yes, for. Yes, because the adults, the, her brother-in-law, her sister, they all go, did you get this dog? Did you get this dog? And they're all like, no, nope. I didn't do yeah, it. Nobody got the dog. So it's a little concerning because there's just a magic puppy now. But, you know, they're not going to take away the magic puppy. No. That would just be cruel. You can't do that. So, yeah, that remains unexplained. Yes. Magic puppy. Hope you, hopefully they're prepared to take care of it. Sir Cole goes back into the woods because he has talked with his brother and he's now determined to ret- find the old crone and return to his true love in 21st century Ohio. Um, so he just wanders through the woods yelling crone. Oh, yeah, this is where we should, maybe we should just, like, maybe we should play this for everybody. Uh, can, yeah, will they be able to hear it? I think so. Let me okay. get it, let me get it queued up. All right. Because I think just... Just, like, the yelling the continual of continual screaming of old crone is almost my favorite part of this entire movie. Yeah. It's uh, important to note that this is the last eight minutes of the film. Yeah. In which all of this kind of, you know, coming to fruition, understanding his true quest, even though he actually fulfilled his quest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is where it all comes together. Yeah. Crone! Crone! Oh, crone! I have need of you! Love is the first and foremost of all knightly virtues. I understand that now. It's love. So that's what I'm calling the old crone finale. Old crone finale. And what we've just missed in that clip is I beg thee, old crone, which makes the fifth use of crone in that scene and the 15th old crone that we've counted overall and we definitely probably missed some so there's at least 15 usages yes. <laughs> and at crone. least probably six coats and at least six coats um so here <laughs> we go he begs of the crone to send him back because he's figured it out it's love it was love all along that was that's his quest that's his quest so he needs to be back with brooke winters and he does, he gets sent his magical glowing blue medallion, glows again. He gets sent back to the 21st century Ohio situation and with his horse. Sherwin! He's now on his horse, which we don't see the horse actually go through the whole glowing medallion portion in the 14th century. So it's mysterious as to how the horse arrives in 2019, but it's, it's an fine. accessory. Um, and, of course, he pops up at the Bracebridge, Ohio Christmas Festival. Always. Where um, Vanessa Hudgens and her family are. And he's there. She's been melancholy without him. And there he is. And it's true love. And they embrace. And there's sort of a laugh of, what will he do now? He's there forever. His quest was her all along. And he's probably either going to be a bread baker or a police officer. And that's like a real thing they yep. briefly discuss. And then they literally ride off on the horse from yep. the Bracebridge, Ohio Christmas Festival. Cue yep. credits. Um, and then during the credits, we bonus. get a setup. We get a bonus scene back in Norwich because Jeffrey has just become a knight. Yeah, on Christmas Day. And would you like to round this out, Hannah? Well, the old crone appears. Yep. And she stops him and she says, oh, can you help me? Just like she said to uh, Sir Cole. And he he says, how can I help you? And then she starts twisting in her hand a now red Red. medallion. And then we cut to the credits. Yep. So I think there's probably a sequel in the works, folks. So if you like this, get ready. Yeah. I don't think I'm ready. And what's your what's your what's your assessment of this movie as a whole, Hannah? It's the nightmare before Christmas. The nightmare. I think Christmas. that it With had a lot of potential, mm-hmm. 
But I don't think that that actually was fulfilled. <laughs> we had a lot of unfulfilled potential. I thought it was going to be good. I mean, uh-huh. this is my time period-ish yep. that yep. I work on. Uh-huh. I was excited for the possibility of really like embracing the culture and technological shock of the 21st century. Uh-huh. But I don't feel like that was fully embraced. In this Vanessa Hudgens made for Netflix Christmas movie. Yeah, and maybe that was too much to ask. <laughs> But I wanted it. I really like the optimism. Maybe that's for the second one. Maybe you can write Maybe. them. Maybe. Yeah. But I think at this point he's already acclimated, acclimated, so it's like... Right, but what about Jeffrey? Jeffrey's not acclimated. That's true. If the second movie features Jeffrey. I think I would have liked to see her go back in time, too. Like, to save him. Ooh. Like, I would have liked... Maybe to... that'll happen in the next... I would have liked to see her go and see what does it feel like to be a woman in the medieval period. Yeah. Because I, I don't think it would have gone great for her compared to him. Yeah, I don't know if they're ready for that. He got the best of both worlds. He got yeah. to continue to be a white man. Yeah. In he did. In the 14th century and then in the 21st century. Which worked out great for him. Yeah, nothing changed for him. Yeah, she's not going to have six fancy coats. Girl, no. She also isn't going to be a science teacher. No. Yeah. No. I don't <laughs> so, know. What yeah, did you think? I mean, I... Besides when you asked if it was going to be over It the was first... going to be over the first 40 minutes. I mean, I think that's pretty indicative. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun, but I, I don't think watching it with one's full attention is advised. I don't love it as much as I do with the other kind of, like, royal kind, royal kind of movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I think it's worth watching... If you're intrigued to do this crone count, this yeah. coat count, and you uh-huh. also want to see, you know, a knight drive a Subaru. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's really where it's at. I think so. I think that's all I have to say about the nightmare before Christmas. Okay. You're good. I'm good. You feel resolved? I feel resolved. Resolved. <laughs> It's time for our game, Do You Hear What I Hear, Real or Fake. We have five holiday movie titles for you. Uh, Some of them will be real movies that you can watch on Hallmark or Lifetime or UpTV or Netflix or whatever it is. Uh, Some of them will be titles that we made up in a couple minutes. Um, And we will read a title and a synopsis for each movie. And you are to guess which one is fake or which one's... Are fake. Yeah, because this tricky. This is tricky. This is part of why we make it hard because uh, at least one of them will be fake, but there are five and any of them could be fake. Or all. Or all. So that's a big, that's a big tricky situation. Um, so you can email us at deckthehallsmark at gmail.com. That's our podcast email. And you will, can let us know what you think the answer is and we will feature that and your response in our next episode. So, Hannah, would you like to do the honors with our first title? I would. There's also a theme this week, just so everybody knows. We always try to have a theme. Okay, here we go. First up, A Bride for Christmas. After Jessie Patterson calls off her third engagement, she swears off serious relationships until she finds the one. That is, until she meets Aiden, who has bet his friends that he can convince a woman to marry him by Christmas. Charming. Love when men bet on women. Yeah, okay. feel good about that. Number two, a December bride. Aspiring interior designer Layla begrudgingly accepts a date to the Christmas time wedding of her cousin to her ex-fiance. What? Seth, her date, gets carried away at the reception and announces they're engaged, forcing a mortified Layla to keep up the pretense. Jeez. 
All right, next up, number three, Sugar Plum Bride. Kayla has always dreamed of performing in the National Ballet Company's production of The Nutcracker, but with her wedding soon approaching to her longtime fiancé, Jack, Kayla has to prioritize whether the wedding or the ballet is more important. But mysterious Chris, who is playing the Nutcracker in the show, puts a wrinkle in Kayla's future plans. Whoa! Okay, next up we have Snow Bride. Tabloid reporter Greta Kane heads to Snowy Big Bear to get a scoop about Senator Tannenhill's son's planned proposal. When she mistakenly ends up as a guest of the family, she starts to get to know them and feels guilt-ridden about her game of subterfuge. Whoa. And finally, number five, Runaway Christmas Bride. A runaway bride, Kate, making herself scarce for the holidays, meets a ski patrol rescuer, Jason, at a resort. Her December days begin to brighten until her parents and jilted fiancé, Alex, show up at the mountain to reset the wedding for Christmas. Whoa. That sounds dramatic. <laughs> so dramatic. Woo! Woo-hoo! I kind of, yeah. Yeah. I was... So, uh, those titles once again, and we encourage you not to Google because that ruins the fun. No, it's more game. fun to try to figure it out. So let's do yeah. a, a final, just really quickly, uh, your choices are... A bride for Christmas. A December bride. Uh, well, that, what's number three again? Sugar Plum Bride? Sugar Plum oh, Bride? Oh, yes. A Bride for Christmas. December Bride. Sugar Plum Bride. Snow Bride. Runaway Christmas Bride. All right. Let us know what you think. All right, it's time for the final activity, I guess, as we call it. Our final mm-hmm. segment of the podcast, uh, which is entitled, Amy? Uh, it's beginning to look a lot like a made-for-TV movie. Yes, and so in this segment here, I will give Amy a fake title, which I have made up right now in my head, and she will riff on this, and then I'll help her, of course, yeah. um, to come up with the plot. So, Amy. Okay. Are you ready? I don't know, but I, yeah, I, I'll be ready. Uh-huh. A Christmas greenhouse. Oh, man. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> A Christmas greenhouse. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think this will probably involve a struggling small business. I think so, and I think it's in a really cold climate. Yeah, it's a cold climate, and there's this greenhouse that's tropical and warm inside. I think it's Alaska. It's Alaska. There's a lot, it's like a tropical greenhouse situation in Alaska, sort of hanging on by a thread because not clear how it's making money. I guess people are visiting. Like, they pay to get into the greenhouse. Yeah, or maybe, like, people buy, like, some plants for their homes because they live in, like, this snowy right. Arctic kind of some environment. House, some house plants to keep it cozy. But it's hard to import plants that live in a greenhouse to Alaska. That's, like, a... There's a high price. Yes. yes. The import price is high. Yes. And so, you know, before I get too far into the plot, which obviously I have just right 
right You're at ready. the tip of my tongue. So ready. <laughs> <A> Christmas greenhouse. <laughs> With a plot for a Christmas greenhouse. She she got me. I mean, I didn't know what I was expecting, but I was not expecting a Christmas greenhouse. I gave so. you Pet Bakery the other time. Pet Bakery was gold. Love <laughs> Pet Bakery. Also love this. Um, I will try to live up to the expectation of Pet Bakery. <laughs> But listener Abby, who responded to our game, also wrote us that if we're up for a fun challenge, which I think we always are. Yeah. Yeah. We hope to rise to every fun challenge. Always. (laughs) Posed to us in our podcast emails. Asked that if we make one of our third segment riffs about a gay couple or something else that boldly breaks the mold for traditional Christmas movies, but then still give them lots of nice cliches that they deserve, which I think is an awesome awesome request i think so too particularly because the majority of these movies do not uh have that yeah i think this is an opportunity that we yeah can acknowledge something that's just tacitly been a part of this all along is that we can riff on these with such ease because the formula is so rigid that it in fact you know is extremely exclusive of um sort of mixed race couples in terms of the hallmark movies oh yes um queer couples across the board for the most part in terms of the protagonists yeah oh yeah um, i can't a, think just of one across the board any channel and you know that's not fun no. so you can you can just use the formula and just put you know different people in because these are pretty formulaic yeah. films and i don't think i think that that can work i think that can work and i think uh there's obviously a politics to that yeah. That we don't hold the same views that Lifetime yeah. and Hallmark hold. So I think we can... We're going to just... We're going to go rogue and... We're going to go rogue. Do and it we're ourselves. Start our own channel. Yeah. And you know, I don't think it's ultimately that dramatic. So I don't know why they don't just do it. Just put in different people. But... I mean, we did read the Hallmark guidelines one time about what can be in a movie. Yeah. Didn't it say like no kissing or something? Only or like one, one? one very sort of innocent kiss. Yes. And it had to be family related. And so family yeah. means... Nuclear mom, dad. Yes. Two children family. Yes. All of the same racial, religious background, heterosexual, none of which is necessary. No. We don't need that. Thanks, kind Hallmark. Of politics. But yeah. So that definitely puts a damper on our enjoyment, I think. But I think and it also makes us realize how a lot of people go around probably watching these and not critically thinking about them in yeah. any way. Yeah. And you know, I think we I think we kind of oscillate yeah. here between enjoying them for their ridiculousness, yeah. but also thinking about the kind of problems that they they pose. Yeah, they're perpetuating a very specific worldview. Yes. Like that's yeah, in addition to their ideas about race and gender and heterosexuality and the idea of a family, um, there's also this sort of idea of like class and what's a valuable way to live your life and that, you know, being corporate is not the way to do that. Um, but being Christian. But being Christian is, but like not really blatantly Christian. Just celebrating Christmas. Celebrating Christmas in a sort of consumerist kind of way. Yes. Yeah. With a few like Hark the Angels sing. <laughs> right. Things there's thrown some, some Jesus related musical choices. There are. Because it's Christmas. It is. Yeah, always. But long story short, Amy, you've long yeah. enough avoided a Christmas greenhouse. With very important uh, yes, topics. Yes, But yeah, that doesn't mean that I've gotten out of writing the plot of a Christmas greenhouse. Right. Okay. So you need to set so, the scene here. Okay. You've Besides done a lot of work already Alaska. for me, which is too kind. Okay. Well, who are our main two characters? Okay. So we are in Alaska. <laughs> we are in Alaska. We are in a greenhouse. I'm performing this with my body language for Hannah. She's convinced. <laughs> 
She's By literally just language. moving her hands back and forth in a circle. Yeah, that's the shape of the greenhouse. It's, it's a geodesic. Oh, it's the dome. geodesic dome. Yeah, geodesic dome. And folks. it's not just it's not just like succulents. This is like real food and stuff yeah. like kale. There oh, is kale. The tropical, tropical geodesic dome with kale in it. <laughs> and bananas. Yeah. Okay. So it's like a community garden. Oh. It's a community garden greenhouse. I like this. Yeah. I'm following. Uh-huh. Operated by Jess. 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 I feel like I know her already. Yeah. Girl Jess. Um, Jess operates this greenhouse. It's been in her family for generations. Well, not that long. Maybe like Not the 1970s. Yeah. Geodesic however long dome. a geodesic dome in Alaska Fuller, was possible. Like yeah. 1960s? Yeah. Yeah. So, a generation. <laughs> yeah. Her dad started the geodesic dome, or her mom. Um, okay. Filling this out. Yep. Uh-huh. You feel yep. it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, She's now circling her hands in her body. Just dancing. That's how I get the creative juices flowing. Okay. Um... <laughs> Using, yes. using your brain power for good work. Excellent work. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, after a long, week. long feast and a long week, a long I, I am, I am <laughs> at the peak of my mental powers. Um, so, <laughs> Jess Sprinkles, and yes, her last name is Sprinkles, and no, no, I'm not taking that back. Why is it not a plant name? Because I think that's too on the nose. Okay. Just, just sprinkles, because that, that's what popped into my head. Okay. Nothing that we've eaten involves sprinkles, but that's just what I'm feeling. Okay. Just sprinkles and her dad, Don Sprinkles. Yep. Uh, Don Sprinkles started Don. the geo- <laughs> geodesic dome. And um, incidentally, her mother's name, also Dawn, with no, a W. No, stop. That's too much. <laughs> you're fired. Dawn and Dawn. That I can't. <laughs> I can see them now. One of them's wearing plaid. The other person's wearing keens with socks. Yeah. You're welcome. Yes. That's Dawn and Dawn. Dawn and Dawn Sprinkles. Yeah. And their daughter, Jess. Yeah. Um, so Jess is now in charge. Um, her parents are retired. Her parents are retired. Yeah. They hang out in their keens in their own home with the socks. In, recli- socks. in recliners. In recliners. And uh, might we say impressive selection of tropical plants. Impress Orchids. Orchids. Yes, orchid people are crazy. So yes. they have an intense collection of orchids. People get really into their orchid collections. Um, so they have these beautiful orchids, beautiful home, beautiful geodesic dome operated by Jess. Um, but, you know, Jess hasn't really... She's really devoted her life to the geodesic dome. Which... As you do. Is named the Sprinkles Sanctuary. <laughs> You made eye contact with me as you said that, and I was like, oh my god, I can't. So this is the Sprinkle Sanctuary. So wait, okay, but how do they make money? Can we solve that? Um, well, people buy plants for them. So it's, it's, oh, it's you know, it's a greenhouse. It's a farmer's market, too. Yeah, because they also buy the produce that's grown. Like the kale and the bananas. Yeah, the kale and the bananas. Kale and bananas. <laughs> I said that. That's, you didn't that hear me? is what Hannah's going. I missed, I think I missed the bananas earlier. Yeah. Okay, so kale and bananas and maybe some other things, but maybe just kale and bananas. Have you ever seen a banana tree? I have seen a banana They're tree. They're so freaking weird. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like this like weird hanging blob. Yeah. Okay, yep. anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, excellent. This is I good. Just, I can so we have, s- I'm you know, imagining There's, the like, a produce area where they can, you know, do community gardening for produce year-round. And variety of produce. So, like, you know, 
kale, but then also tropical things like bananas. But then there's also just sort of the area where you can go sit and enjoy and get into this sort of warm, mm. tropical environment, and the community can come in. So it's really a community space, but... You know, they, they maybe rent the community garden plots, the people who grow the produce. There are activities Rent there. their plot. There's activities there. They host activities about horticulture. <laughs> and tropical, and tropical plant plants. Care. Botany. Yeah. Um, and they buy plants from there as a greenhouse to have as yes. house plants. And they buy the produce from the market and all okay. of this. Okay, so, this so there's is, this sustainability here with the money. Okay. This, is an, uh, this is a business that's, that's operating. Okay, okay, I feel better because I was worried about that. Yes. So that is until um, a corporate... Oh, no. Yeah. The corporate bigwig is coming in? Yeah. <sighs> oh, yeah. The corporate bigwig whose name will come to me at the end of this sentence... Rachel! Is Rachel. It did not come to me at the end of that sentence. Hannah could see it in my eyes. <laughs> She can see it in my face. She can see it in my overly broad gestures. Uh, and she was ready. Rachel. Rachel. Rachel and Jess. Gonna, I was going to go with Cornelia. No. Because <laughs> I'm trash. And I knew that that was a bad idea. I mean. And I think my eyes said that Cornelia was a bad idea. <laughs> I think that's just not appropriate for the geodesic dome It just narrative way that too crafting. serious. I don't know why Cornelia was my move. You were thinking of something posh. Yeah, I was thinking something posh and fancy. Well, and Rachel's corporate. posh too. Rachel's posh too, and it's a little more accessible than Cornelia. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what I was thinking. Okay, it's okay. It's okay. So we can't all win. So Rachel. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Rachel from the corporate entity. Um, that it's it's a corporate greenhouse situation. Geodome. Geodome? No. Okay. See, I think we I think we can do better than that. Okay. 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 <laughs> I'm going to redeem myself. Okay, go. Okay. Go. You do okay. it. I'm gonna be quiet okay. for a minute. Um I am feeling <laughs> very fried. I am feeling something blooms. I want it to be something blooms. I want a BB alliteration. I want it to be something blooms. For this corporate entity. Butler blooms. Butler blooms. This is Rachel Butler. Rachel Butler is the daughter of Tim. Tim, who happens to have been Don's friend from college. Oh, snap. Yeah, Don Sprinkles and Tim Butler were college friends. At the University of Alaska. The University of Alaska. Juno. Juno. (laughs) <laughs> we're back in Juno. What else was in Juno? Hannah? I don't know. I'm I think the corporate. I think the corporate headquarters for Pet Bakery are also in Juno, Alaska. <laughs> yeah, because we're trying to set up a crossover. Yeah. I don't, have, have I been in Juno, Alaska? No. No, I would like to go there. Yeah. Though. Um, I like I like Alaska as an idea. Okay. Yeah. Cool so, place to visit. So Tim Butler and Don Sprinkles. This is this is Father Don, not Mother Don. <laughs> to clarify. Thank you. Although Mother Don and Father Don met in college, so they were, they were all, all they were all there at Juno. Yeah, they were all there at Juno. So actually, Tim is both Don's friends. Yeah, both he's friend to both of the Dons in college. He was. They all studied botany. Oh, cute. yeah. Well, Don, Father Don, and Tim <laughs> both studied botany. Don, Mother Don studied um, horticulture, but yeah. they were all sort of in plant studies at. The University of Alaska. Juno, which, as we all know, has a prominent botany program. 
Uh, <laughs> I should probably look that up. I think they probably do. They very well may. It might not be prominent, but they probably do. They, it's a they have school. some sort of plant studies. Okay. I know very little It might about be more Alaska. like environmental studies, though. We okay. can look it up. I know concerningly little amount about Alaska. Sorry about that. Alaska. Someday. <laughs> Obviously, we will someday go to Juneau. We'll do a podcast episode live, live from Juneau. From the geodesic dome. <laughs> to the geodesic dome next to the pet bakery. Oh, God. Um, so, anyway... So here's the situation. Tim Butler started his own plant company. What? Tim? Less community-oriented, a lot more about bringing in the bucks. So who, like, how are they, how is he related to this operation that Don and Don have set up? He's not yet. Oh, but why is Rachel Butler there? Well, see, here's the situation. Don and Don were disappointed in Tim when he went off and started his corporate business. They're also a little bit jealous. I mean, he made a lot more money. He went to, like, New York or... Seattle. Seattle. Keep it. Seattle keep, feels keep it a little that. closer. New York's maybe a little far. That's far. Yeah, a little far. That's hard for From me. Juneau. That's a lot of... It's a lot of traveling. Yeah. So he started his plant business in, in Seattle. He was less community-oriented. He, you know, wasn't as invested as Dawn and Dawn in providing, like, a warm place and a cold climate and allowing people this opportunity for community plants and gardens. He sort of was seduced by the corporate world. It was very successful. So he has a chain of geodesic domes because all the Dawns and all the Dawns, just the two Dawns, and Tim were very into sort of geodesic dome design. It was that time. But, you know, Butler Blooms took off way faster. And there's sort of a smaller version, not community-oriented, all about the money. Um, I did a really annoying money hand gesture that Hannah finds hilarious. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) That was horrible. That was the worst. I hope I never see you do that again. (laughs) And I will never do that again. (laughs) I I wasn't ready. I can promise that. I wasn't ready for that. Okay, so, okay, so okay. but here's the thing. He, he is now thinking, well, it's been a number of years, you know, the market's not doing so great. So he wants to absorb them. So he wants to swallow Sprinkle Sanctuary. He wants what? that to become part of his corporate entity, Butler Blooms. So he sends Rachel to go talk this over. And so Rachel and uh, Jess Sprinkles are about to be thrown into this family feud. And, you know, they're the next generation. They've just sort of heard about it, but they've never met the other family. Mm. And so Rachel sent as sort of the corporate envoy to go deal with this. And at first, you know, the Sprinkles don't know that it's actually Rachel Butler and not just some other employee who's coming. Oh, they've never met her. They've never met her. Um, they knew, you know, that their old college buddy had a kid, but they don't really know much about her. Um, so she shows up just like, you know, in like a very nice fancy coat. Um, oh, the coats are fe- featuring again. Yeah. A la Vanessa Hudgens in the night before Christmas. So, okay. At the geodesic dome. Okay. She's looking at some plants. She's being very judgmental. And Jess Sprinkles does not know. she's, like, picking know. up leaves, looking at yeah, them disdainfully. Like, yeah, she's like, not sure about this environment. I think she's not impressed by, like, the community-oriented, like, facility and yeah. how they're not just, like, speeding customers along, but are rather, like, asking them, like, how are you? How is so-and-so? And, uh-huh. like, making it, like, you know, a family-esque feeling in the yes. space. It's yes. less, like... Please give us all your money and take this five million dollar succulent out of here. Yeah, that will now die in your home two days from now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now I just want to really 
remind you uh-huh. somehow that we got to get the Christmas theme back in here. I just was worried that that was getting lost. Yeah, this is this is so far not been a Christmas. <laughs> well, it can be because I think there needs to be some sort of ultimate. I think it needs to be the Christmas time, obviously. There's some sort of ultimatum. Right? Or there's some sort of event. Okay, so yeah. I think well, I just want to like keep you on. Thank you. Yeah, because I think thank you're you. doing good work, and I can kind of see the end result, but uh-huh. I just want, I didn't want to get lost in the middle there. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. Okay, keep going. Sorry. No, this is good. This is good. Doing great. Okay. So besides sleep- the hand motion with the money, you're doing great. <laughs> besides that, <laughs> too many hand motions from Amy today. Um, just that one. Just that one. Okay, good. The other hand motions have been fine. Uh, <laughs> let it go. That was a let, let it go. go. I did a very dramatic uh, Elsa hand motion. Um, so, yeah. So Rachel is at the Sprinkle Sanctuary, and as we sort of see Rachel Butler going around and being sort of very judgmental about the leaves and the community-oriented situation at Sprinkle Sanctuary, we're also sort of seeing that there's a lot of Christmas decor. A lot of sort of twinkling lights happening in Christmas the cacti. Christmas cacti. And there's a big Christmas market hosted every And there's year. a big sale. Yes. Which sales are not what the butlers little do. Little too discounted like for the butlers. 70% off. Yeah. Little too generous of the sprinkle sanctuary. Or BOGO or something yeah. like. Big Christmas market, but it's like a big annual celebration in the community around Juneau, Alaska. <laughs> Don't give me like that. <laughs> um, Hannah looks slightly ashamed, but we're going to move past that. <laughs> so this is an important time for the, the community. But, you know, Jess Sprinkles comes up to Rachel Butler, who she does not know is of the Butler Blooms family or why she's here, and says, you know, how can I help you? And Jess is, Jess is surprised to find that Rachel is really quite rude. Um, about the whole thing and she's like how do you make profit here you know this doesn't oh, seem yeah. like a very efficient mm-hmm. business model yeah you could be moving people through this line a lot faster and Jess is saying you know we are trying to build a community here we're here about the love of plants we and about these people for we years. know these people for years and this is a community of people and plants and what happens then is that her uh parents come in they're sort of in the background Don and Don are there and they're like huh they're sort of talking to themselves and saying hmm there's something familiar looking about about the customer um that we have here and um they are sort of talking amongst themselves and they overhear the introduction from of Rachel to Jess Jess says hi you know this is actually my family's geodesic dome mm-hmm. that you're judging. I'm Jess Sprinkles. This is our business. I run it. And she goes, oh, that's great. I'm Rachel Butler. I'd like to buy you out. What? Yeah. Deadpan to commercial break. Commercial break. Um, also, parents, Dawn and Dawn, jaws just dropped. They're like, that's why she's familiar. That's Tim's daughter. Um, oh. So, needless to say, there's a lot of feuding. They're like, oh, we can't possibly buy you out. And they're like, well, what are your profit margins look like? What's oh. the spreadsheet situation, says Rachel to Jess. Oh, oh, I got it. You got it? And they look at it, and they actually realize they're in debt, and they have to pay the bank by Christmas. They have to pay them by Christmas. So, <laughs> also sorry for that sound. <laughs> Fired up. 
Ready okay. to go. Oh. Okay. I have to, this is, this is the very minimal planning that went into uh, the previous two movies uh, is clearly still a distinct advantage to having no idea <laughs> beforehand. I think we're good. At, I think this is uh, like. I think we're still doing great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, Jess sprinkles at the Dawn's sprinkle. Uh, find out that the Dawn's sprinkles. I really need to stop trying to say them collectively. Just, just <laughs> It's like when you have two people with PhD, the doctor's blank. Yeah. If they have the same last the, name. The Dawn's sprinkles. Dr. Dawn's sprinkles? Yeah. Dr. D. sprinkles? Yeah, they both had PhDs in botany and horticulture, respectively. Oh, Obviously. Oh, okay, okay. Obviously. Okay, okay. we gotta get back so to So, the sprinkles I'm find out that, that their business is in debt. And that they will need to pay the bank. They really have not been doing excellent bookkeeping. Excellent community organization. Great sales. <laughs> Super great sales, not excellent bookkeeping. And expensive to import all those orchids. It is. It's really expensive. But they, you know, they're uncompromising about the quality of their plants and the beauty of their plants in a way that Butler Blooms is not. Uncomp- they're like willing to sell an inferior product to help the par- profit margin. They spray their plants yes. with hairspray to make the leaves stand up. <laughs> As is clear, we do not have PhDs in botany. My parents do that. One of my parents does technically. (laughs) Is hairspray involved? We'll find out. I don't think so. I don't think it is. But needless to say, they maybe use pesticides. They're not doing as great in terms of the concerns about quality of plant life (laughs) and the community at Butler Blues. Yeah, I like hairspray, but I think that's probably less realistic than... Yeah. So, you know, Rachel Butler is sort of touched by this family and their passion for plants. And she's like, you know, I used to see that in my father. But he's, Tim's lost that. Tim. Tim has lost that over the years. And he's really gotten sucked into the profit and seeking that profit with Butler Blooms. So she's seeing an opportunity and she goes, well, maybe we can work together. And here's the deal. I will help you uh, work on your bookkeeping. I don't think that you can get out of debt before Christmas. But if you do, you can keep your independent store. Oh. Okay. Does that seem, okay. Does that seem so then she and Jess need to team up somehow and then have some sort of moment where they have a romantic kind of They're vibe. Gonna, yeah. Well, there's going to be a montage <gasps> during which. Okay. They're like working together. They're working together. They're going through the books. They're going through the books. They're pulling out the receipts from the 1970s typewriter. They are pulling out the receipts. They're going over everything. But at the same time, Rachel is in exchange learning about the sort of techniques of growing the plants. Because these plants at Sprinkle Sanctuary are looking a lot better than a lot of the plants at Butler Blues. Oh, yeah. No hairspray. Because they care more. Yeah, exactly. No hairspray. (laughs) So there's this mutual uh sort of learning. exchange and learning across the two families between Rachel and Jess. Yes. And so there's this montage of going through the books yes. and also going around with all the plants yes. in the geodesic yes. dome and everything. And then there's also Christmas activities. Yes. Interspersed with this. Yes. Like going to the Christmas uh like carnival in yes. town. Yeah. There's the like snowball fight. Mm-hmm. They take a break and build a snowman. Yeah. We got to highlight some things that are happening out in the cold to sort of establish the contrast of how fun it is to have this tropical space. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, have cr- tropical Christmas inside and a very like snowy yes. Juno Christmas yes. outside. And I imagine that this geodesic dome is clear. Oh, yeah. So you can see all the snow around it. Yeah. Which is cool. Which is cool. It makes a very interesting visual. Yeah. And requires green to white. much higher production 
costs. Yeah, this than, is a Lifetime movie, potentially. <laughs> than what is able to be covered, probably by either Lifetime or Hallmark. But we have insisted upon this geodesic dome. Warner Brothers, hello? Hello. We've got a, we got a Theatrical platform. release, I think, maybe. Straight to DVD. <laughs> okay, so we have a romantic, well, it's sort of burgeoning romance as... Rachel and Jess sort of have this montage of uh, expanded learning. And during that time, so we obviously see they're growing closer. They're also experiencing Christmas activities. Activities! Activities! And um, then uh, Tim calls. No! Tim, we're going to ruin everything. Tim is going to ruin everything. And you know at what point Tim's going to ruin everything? At 15 minutes to the hour including commercial break, of when this movie will end. Stop it. I'm not ready. I know. So Tim's, like, calling, and he's like, hey, Rachel, why have you not sealed the deal yet? I know that Sprinkle Sanctuary is on its last legs, financially. And so it is time to just seal the deal, buy it, come home. And she's like, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I think there's a lot we could learn from them because they take really good care of their plants. And I think ultimately... In the long run, that would help our profit margin. And he's like, oh, I can't believe you. This maybe happens slightly more than 15 minutes in. Because, uh, 15 minutes to the end. Because then Rachel tells Jess what's going on. And Jess is like, oh, I can't believe this. And she goes, but you know I wouldn't do this to you. You know, I'm going to convince my dad because I care about you. And I care about Sprinkle Sanctuary. And obviously, her concern for Sprinkle Sanctuary is a lot more about Jess Sprinkle's than it is about the Sprinkles business model. Yeah, they've she had a couple, couple moments. They've had some close calls. I think they <coughs> had, you know, a very flirtatious snowball fight moment. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. During which uh, Rachel demonstrated that she's actually very friendly with children. She had fun with children, which is always <laughs> alluring in these movies. Yeah, it is. So she's friendly with the community children. She shows that she understands community. And um, they... Get they both sort of have a late night over the books and have a real heart to heart about previous relationships and how you know Jess has had a hard time dating because she's not really getting out there because she spends a lot of time in geodesic dome in Juno in Juno so <laughs> there's not a huge like thriving lesbian community inside the geodesic dome in Juno Alaska. Yeah, there's maybe. not really much of a thriving dating community of any kind inside <laughs> the geodesic dome in Juno. Alaska. I don't think anyone, whatever no your doing, sexual orientation, would be doing great. It's there. not thriving. No, um, and rough. similarly, Rachel, while not in geodesic dome, is having a hard time meeting people because she's really working a lot for her father. Yes. And since he's become so concerned about profit in a sort of Scrooge-like manner, I think there's some, you know, uh-huh. a Christmas Carol motifs here. Of course, because he's lost track of himself, much like Scrooge. Um, there's sort of, <laughs> there's she's sort of spending a lot of time in the office, and she's also not getting out. And so they have this sort of heart to heart, and then they're like, oh, it's really nice to get to know someone, and they have this sort of closeness, and it seems like, oh, maybe they're gonna kiss what? over the books earlier on in the movie. Um, but of course, one of the Dawn Sprinkles comes in and sort of interrupts it innocently and is like, How's it going in here? Brought you some hot cocoa. And they just sort of smile and look away. So we've already had this romantic mm-hmm. story established when she tells, when Rachel tells Jess that her father is really insistent, but she's like, I'm not gonna let that happen. I am going to fly back to Seattle <laughs> and tell him about the great model you have here at Sprinkle Sanctuary. So she does that, and Rachel's like, oh, it's going to go great. But then they get this email 
this corporate, this email from the bank. They get a message from the bank that says, you know, we're foreclosing. On no. Sprinkle Sanctuary. You didn't make it. <sighs> it's Christmas Eve. And, <sighs> you know, uh, there's, it's actually, it turns out it's a filing error. But because Rachel had said that she was going to talk to the bank, she submitted the form so that they could, because this is how banking works, delay <laughs> the foreclosure until Christmas Day uh, rather than uh, Christmas Eve. Oh, that's a that's a quick S- language, sort of, tricky language. Yeah, tricky language in the in the banking. <laughs> but you pay attention to so, what type of so Christmas. So while she's in Seattle, the Sprinkles get this notice, and they're like, "She tricked us this whole time. We thought we had an extra day. That oh! We were going to have this big sale that was going to bring in all the money, no! but all along." It was designed to fail because she actually never submitted the paperwork that she said she submitted. No. When in fact, it was just like a clerk who screwed up, but we don't know that. And so no. Jess thinks it's all a lie. She just used me God. to acquire this for her father's business. Freaking Rachel. Freaking Rachel. So she doesn't trust her. It's the last 15 minutes. She's like, how could you do this to me? She just I think it's like last 12 minutes. Last 12 minutes. She calls. She leaves a message. She says, you know, how could you do this to me, Rachel? And Rachel's like, oh, my God, I didn't do this to you. Because Rachel's actually excited. She gets out of a meeting with her father where she's shown him a video and images of how healthy the plants are. Everything's great. He's like, you know what? I'm going to talk to my old friends, and we're going to make this happen. Yeah. Then she gets the message, and she goes, oh, no, something went horribly wrong. And so she and her father, Tim's butler, fly <laughs> Very quickly. <laughs> Very quickly. Somehow they got like they got a, a private overnight jet. flight. Private. They have a private jet. Butler Blooms is doing great. <laughs> they get to Sprinkle it's Sanctuary. It's actually a helicopter. They get to Sprinkle Sanctuary. It's a helicopter. That makes better sense. They land outside the geodesic dome. Yeah. They get in there and they, well, Rachel's over talking to the bank. Tim goes ahead of her. Rachel is solving the things with the bank. Tim's in there. Tim talks to the Sprinkles and is like, you know what? I think this is a great business model. I know you're still struggling, but I think we can learn a lot from you. And Don, and Don, if you guys are willing to put this our feud behind us, I'd like us to go into business together. Partnership. Yeah. So they're gonna come up with a better name than Sprinkle Sanctuary and Butler Blooms. I don't really know how to mash those together. But those... well, Sprinkle is water and mm-hmm. rain and blooms. Mm-hmm. So like sprinkling blooms. <laughs> no. <laughs> So they're going to come up with some better name. But basically, the two families are going to go into business together. And Jess is like, really? But I thought Rachel and he goes, I was trying no. to like combine blue. I was like, bloomkles? Bloomkles? You work on it. Okay. Rachel rushes in. She goes, no, it was all a mistake. The bank, everything's fine. Everything's in order. I did submit it. They just lost the paperwork. And everything's fine. They have a happy Christmas. Jess and Rachel have their big kiss moment underneath yes. a beautiful palm tree strung up with Twinkle lights. Yes, and there's a banana tree in the, the background. The geodesic dome, and it zooms out, and we go through out for, through the tropics Ooh. of the geodesic dome, it, and we can see all of the snowy Juno around it. And then we see a sort of flash forward yes. to them working yes. behind the desk, behind the counter, at whatever the excellent title is for the joint business of sprinkles, sprinkling blooms, sprinkling blooms. Wow! Wow! You did that. I did that. That was great. Took a so that was a, a greenhouse Christmas. <laughs> a greenhouse Christmas, folks. Brought to you by Amy. The end. And Hannah. Well, I was just additional help. She helped. A little bit. A Sprinkling lot. blooms. Sprinkling. Okay, well that wraps up episode three of Deck the Halls Mark. Thank you for listening. Next episode, we will be very excited. Oh my gosh. Extremely excited to discuss the spirit of Christmas. 
a true classic. Hopefully, we will have a guest joining us. I can't wait. I can't wait either. See you all next time. See you next time. Bye.